there's a sense that God wants to increase what he's doing. And, um, and when you don't know quite what that looks like, you kind of have that nervous expectation. And um, I normally prepare my sermons differently to what I've done this morning. And that also makes me nervous because I normally like to write my sermons out fully. And I normally have about 11 pages. That's about half an hour's sermon. I've got four. Because as I was, as I was writing it, I felt God just say, right, stop there. And then let's just see what happens. And, and the reason I'm saying that is because I'm probably just helping myself in the process. Um, and I'm just speaking back to God what he told me, um, what I felt he told me. Let's hope it was God. Otherwise, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, you know, in a prayer meeting, and I, I love that prayer meeting this morning. It was crazy. And... Um, I love the fact that we've got more people coming because there's a hunger building in the church. And that's always a good thing because that's how revivals start. And I loved what John bought last week. I thought it's so good. So good. That, that there is a sense of the power and presence of God falling upon us in, in a new way. But he doesn't want to keep it here. It's for something else. And I've called this sermon the pursuit of God. Because God is always pursuing us. Do you know that? God is pursuing us more than we ever pursue him. From Genesis to Revelation, the whole book is about God pursuing his people for nothing more than a relationship with them. And I think we make it a bit more complicated than it really is. We make it, a you know, we have these clever books and all these different things. And, and I love books and I think they're great. But, but we can overcomplicate things. But actually, the Bible is about God knocking, rat-a-tat-tat. It says in um, Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the breath of life means the spirit. So God's very own spirit was breathed into the man and it says he became a living being. Not just physically, but spiritually. And it says, now the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in, in the middle of the garden, with the tree of the life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
and a river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and from there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. That the gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. You know, I've read that passage so many times. I never really took any notice that there are four rivers. God loves a river. God loves a river. He loves a river. He doesn't just love a river. He loves lots of rivers. And it just makes it, why, why is it there? Because God loves rivers. Because in rivers there's life. There's life. And it's moving. And there's direction. And things grow in the river. And there's trees. And so from, from day one, right down to Revelation 22, it says there's a river. And it has trees that are for the healing of the nations. Wow. You know, before I came to, I didn't plan this bit. Here we go. Before I came to Harpenden, I was in France. And I was trying to work out, God, are you calling us as a family to Harpenden? And God took me on a little journey and I drove to this car park and by this car park there was this estuary and the tide was out and there's all these boats on the shore just lifeless and God says Neil I'm going to bring a river through the heart of the church and it's going to flood into Harpenden and boats that were once useless and rest resting I'm going to bring back into the river and they're going to be glorious once again and I, f and I feel that the river is starting to rise I don't know if you sense it I don't know if there's something in your heart where there's an excitement but, but God is pursuing us and where you are right now, God's, God's after you. God's, God's on your case. And it doesn't matter what stage you're at. It, it doesn't matter where you're at right now. The one thing we all have in common is that God is after us. See, what I love about the, this passage is that when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid. Don't like that bit so much. But the next bit is that God comes in the cool of the day. Not because God gets hot and sweaty and that's his best time, but that's, that was the best time for Adam and Eve because that's how he works. God loves us. And he says, where are you? 
Do you think that God didn't know where they were? Do you think that God didn't know what they had done? Because sometimes we read this and we're thinking, ah, oh, it's a strange question, God. You being God and all. No, that's his mercy. Because he gives us gives them an opportunity to fess up. You see, God pursued Adam and Eve even when they had messed up. You know, as a dad, often my first reaction when my kids do anything wrong is I want to come down on them and dish out the consequences because I'm cross and I'm angry. But our father doesn't do that. What he does first is he says, where are you? Where are you? Because he wants us to turn to him and say, oh, I'm so sorry, God, I've messed up. You see, what Adam and Eve did is they tried to work it out themselves. They got some leaves. Quick, how do we sew these together? I mean, how, I, I, this, I think it blows my mind. Have you ever wondered how they actually like made garments? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have needle and thread. You know, how how did they make were they special leaves that they kind of just I don't know. But the thing is they clearly did a poor job. Because God came along and he made them clothes himself. But do you know what the crazy thing is about this? Is that in order to make the clothes out of an animal he had to kill the animal first you see blood had to be shed to cover their shame that is the pursuit of God that without the shedding of blood there can't be the covering of shame I want you to know this morning that the Father is relentless in his pursuit of you. You may be here this morning and you've been a Christian for 50 or 60 years. Know this, that the Father is still pursuing you. He's still after you. This year, I celebrate my 40th birthday as a Christian. Thank you. I didn't. I wasn't looking for applause, but thank you. And you know what? I feel like it's all brand new again. I feel it's like I'm just feeling renewed and energized once again because the Father is pursuing me. And the crazy thing is, I wasn't looking for it this time. There's been times in my walk with God where I've sought Him and just cried out to Him. And he's just like said, yeah, I'm here. And it's been amazing. Whereas four weeks ago, I was in the prayer meeting. I still remember the prayer meeting. Ginny remembers it particularly. She had to get up and walk out. She was laughing so much because the Holy Spirit just fell upon us. And it was like, 
I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't want. I it, God just came and He knocked at my door. He said, "I'm here." And there's a great line in a song that I'm singing at the moment. And and if you can if you can get hold of this song, some people look at me and go, "Oh, not this again." But and and it's a song called "You Are My Beloved." by Jonathan David Helzer. And if you can watch it, it's about 23 minutes long on YouTube. And it's just the most fantastic song I've heard in a long time. And when I first watched it in my study, there's a line that says, oh, the one who knows me best is the one who loves me most. There is nothing I have done that could change the father's love. Oh, the one who knows me best is the one who loves me most. There is nothing I have done that could change the father's love. Almost like bursting into song. He loves me the most, even though he knows me the best. Isn't that crazy? And you may be sitting there today thinking, I'm so unworthy. I'm so rubbish. I've done it again. And God says, I know you the best. And I still love you the most. There's nothing you can do to change that love. Nothing. Nothing. The one who knows you best, warts and all, even those little bits, those things that you try and hide, he knows the best, he loves you the most. And God wants to pour out more and more and more and more of who he is. And sometimes we could go, oh, I don't know. It feels a bit greedy. It feels a bit indulgent. Let me tell you, we have an indulgent God. If you look at the Bible, all the way through, it's about feasts and tables laden with food in front of the enemy. When the widow loses a coin, she searches the whole house. And when she finds it, she throws a party. When the shepherd leaves the 99 and finds the lost sheep, what does he do? He throws a party. No one likes a party more than God. Don't I feel, feel very comfortable about that? Get used to it. Do you think heaven's going to be like? Jeez. It's going to be wild. And we pray heaven come down. I used to quite like the school disco. And... Generally speaking, there were four different types of people at the school disco. I'm going to go through them. 
Firstly, you had the crazy dancers. Who just didn't care how they looked? They were having the best time ever. They were going crazy. Yeah, they were just like, you know, on the dance floor, they didn't care about who they were whacking into, who they're moving on. They were just loving it. And then you had the normal dancers. That was probably me. Um, yeah, I know, it's hard to believe. But I used, to, I used to love dancing. Just to love it. Just dancing, cutting the rug, slipping some moves. You know, kids. You know the language. Down on it. But, but, but generally, we had people who were just, they were just there dancing. Okay, so you've got the crazies over there dancing. Give them a bit of a wide berth. But the, the most of us were just like dancing, dancing. Just dancing. And then you had the reluctant dancers. Kind of like on the edge of the dance floor. Swaying. Kind of like moving their feet, tapping their feet. But they really wanted to dance. But they were kind of a little bit, you know, not sure. And really all it took was someone else to grab them by the hand. Take them onto the dance floor and then they're off. May even got a bit crazy as they got carried away a bit. But then finally you had those who were the resistors. Those who came knowing full well that there's no way you're getting me to dance. And some people would even dare to go over them and try and pull them onto the dance floor and they'd give you that look of, don't even think about it. <laughs> I may be here physically, <laughs> but I'm still at home watching Grange Hill. Grain Chill was a reference, by the way, kids, to a program that we used to watch in the 70s and 80s. You know, church could be a bit like a school disco. You've got the crazies in the Holy Spirit singing their songs and rapping. And give, give them a bit of a wide berth, but they, they get on with it. And then you get the general people who are just, just enjoying drinking. Just enjoying. Just drinking. Having a bit of a chuckle now and again. Just enjoying it. Nothing too crazy, but just enjoying it. And then you've got those who are kind of, oh, I'd really like to enter in, but I just feel a little bit nervous. Just feel a bit kind of, you know, I'd like to dabble my foot a little bit. But I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know if I might get a bit carried away. Because you're looking at the crazy. I don't, I, mm, I'm not sure about that. I'm not too sure about it. And then you've got those. What are they doing? <laughs> what is that noise? Nope, you're never going to get me doing that. No way, no way, Jose. But you still come every week. Um, <laughs> listen, don't compare yourself to other people. God's got you on a journey. But what I say is, don't, don't be fearful. Because 
the Holy Spirit will deal with you how he wants to deal with you. But don't write off anything. You know, if you hang out, hang out with Jesus when he was on earth, you didn't know what was going to happen. You had no idea. Whenever Jesus turned up somewhere, all of heaven broke loose. He couldn't even go to a funeral without turning it into a celebration and raising the dead. Or going to a party where the wine had run out. And so he takes the water and turns it into the best wine ever. I mean, think about it. The wine had already been drunk. They'd already had their full quota. And yet he creates hundreds of gallons more. Takes a picnic. Feeds 5,000 at least. Probably multiply it by two, add four. You see, there was never a dull moment when Jesus turned up. So why on earth should church be dull? Why? You know, we're a church that will wholeheartedly have the word of God foundational to all that we do. But we also have the Holy Spirit doing what he wants to do. That's as far as I got with my sermon. Because I believe that's all that you need to hear this morning. So if you're here this morning and you consider yourself to be a crazy. Continue. To be totally overwhelmed with spirit. But don't judge. Those at the other end who may be just struggling a bit, maybe a bit nervous, be a bit fearful. But if you're at the other end where you're kind of digging your heels in a bit. Don't judge what God's doing up this end. And it's all the way through. Do you understand? You just worry about you. You just concentrate on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. Because he might surprise you. You may end up as a crazy. I think there's different times. And, and, and I do think, we'll go back to the rivers. I do want to say this. There are four rivers. It's interesting. Why? Because God loves rivers. And there's different aspects of the river. You could jump into the river and you could get into the rapids. And that's crazy. Or you could jump into the river and it's just peaceful. Or you could jump into the river and it's kind of just bobbing. But if you don't jump into the river, you're just going to stay dry. And God doesn't want you to stay dry. He wants you to enter in. But it's for a reason. It starts with refreshing. You see, that's how revival works. Revival starts in the church and awakening follows. Revival starts in the church. Revival means revive. We're revived in the spirit. And what would often happen is that awakening would follow. Because when you are alive in Christ, those around you who don't know Christ will go, something's happened to you. What's all that about? Well, come with me and I'll show you. Wow, it's amazing. 
I could preach about revival. I could go on about revival because I love talking about revival more than anything else apart from the Father. It's all the same thing. I'm going to stop now. If we can have the band come forward, we're going to jump into the river. Wherever you are at the disco, then say, God, I want to move. Ha, I want to move. I want to, I want to go deeper. I want you, Father, to take me deeper. Whatever that looks like for you. Okay, we'll, we'll pray for you. You know, if we need to hold your hand and just help you, then that's all part of being part of family, isn't it? You know, sometimes I love praying for people more than I like being prayed for. Because I love seeing what God's doing in people. So I'm going to be happy to pray for anybody who wants prayer, who just wants a fresh release, a fresh touch. Love to pray for you. Because I'm in faith that God's going to do some breakthrough. I felt in a prayer meeting that God's got some keys and he wants to unlock some people today. Woohoo! Come on! Jesus. 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 Let's stand.